The DJ Bob Show. Pop culture, past and present. In this special episode, we're joined by Brian Woodbury, talking about his four-volume magnum opus of new music, Anthems and Antifex. In this episode, we're talking about volume one, Levity and Novelty, out now. Hi, this is Brian Woodbury, songwriter for Bear in the Big Blue House and the Book of Pooh. You're listening to the DJ Bob Show. So why did you choose crowdfunding and what are the risks and challenges of doing something like this? The reason for doing it uh, is because it's expensive to make a record and um, especially to um, press the CDs. Uh, I wanted to make sure that there were enough people out there who wanted actual CDs to make it worth, you know, um, pressing them. The other thing is to uh, crowdfunding sort of serves as a way to, you know, get interest and attention to the project. And I, I guess the risks are if you don't make the goal that you've set yourself to make. Um, but in my case, we we easily made the goal. So, you know, I'd never done it before and I have another, you know, I have like other projects in mind for the future that would I requ- require me to raise even more money. So I wanted to sort of test the waters and see if this was doable. But it did generate a lot of interest in the project and it, um, uh, it actually, uh, you know, sort of uh, um, opened up the doors for uh, a label in UK to co-release it, which is great, so... Oh, physically released or? Yeah, physically. It's a, a label I worked with before on an instrumental album that I made in 2004. Their focus is on uh, more, you know, pretty esoteric, um, you know, avant-garde rock stuff. But it's very eclectic and they have a lot of song, song-oriented people on there too. And um, they're interested in, in helping me sort of co, co-releasing it in the UK in Europe. That's called RER. Well, that's awesome. I can't wait to pick it up there, too. Oh, great. What made you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to record four albums instead of one? (laughs) Instead of one. Um, I like to give myself a challenge. Um, A friend of mine suggested a few years ago, my friend Bill Berry, with whom I wrote the song Ava's Couch, he said, you know, you should do a comedy album. Um, you know, he was telling me the previous album I made, if I cut, if I just did the comedy songs from it, that would make a, a good sort of comedy comedy song album, comic song album. Um, so I said, oh, that's a good idea. So I decided I would, because um, my usual, usual approach is to sort of throw in, you know, everything but the kitchen sink. You know, I'll do a, you know, one song will be in a very sort of, facetious tone and the next one will be very sincere and earnest and then the next one will uh you know have some maybe some arch commentary and they'll you know and to me i I enjoy kind of going back and forth in the you know the the mood changes the tone changes from song to song but i also feel like perhaps it's it's demanding a lot of the listener to sort of have to re-gauge what what the attitude of the singer is with every song. 
So I thought, why don't I do, and since I like to do funny songs, but I also like to do sort of, you know, sincere confessional songs, and I also like to do, you know, political commentary songs, and I also like to do just sort of more esoteric, arty art songs. So I thought, why don't I just break them up and do them in different batches? And then the other thought was, when I was working on TV shows uh, like Bear in the Big Blue House and Book of Pooh, we, uh, I, I worked very quickly and I learned to, you know, write songs very quickly. I would collaborate sometimes. I'd like sometimes I would write j- just the music and someone else would help write the lyrics or, you know, vice versa, things like that. And I would often have I had a team of people that would do the recording like I would just play maybe just a simple guitar vocal demo of the song and then my friend uh, Mark Muller would make the whole track build a whole track based on just that simple demo so I thought well if I wanted to make a lot of songs and you know within put them all out within a year I could um, use that same approach of writing as quickly as I could, sometimes collaborating with, you know, sometimes co-writing with people. And then if I needed to have, uh, you know, have somebody else help me out on the tracks. And so um, that's what I've been doing. So I have a, I think there's six co-writes on the first album. And there's a lot of tracks that were done by, that were at least contributed to by other people. So speaking of co-writes, let's talk about the first track of this album. Let's talk about My Bad. Okay, sure. Yeah, My Bad is the song I wrote with uh, my friend Amy Engelhart. She's a, 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 a singer, songwriter, um, theater writer. Uh, she used to be in the band The Bobs, an a cappella group. I don't know if you heard of The Bobs. They're a fantastic, very funny a cappella group. Um, and uh, so um, I had this idea of... Uh, a, people who are sort of compulsively apologizing all the time. It's actually kind of based on myself because I I tend to be like if I'm in the supermarket and I need and you know I'm in standing in someone's way I'm oh I'm sorry I'm sorry I, I it's just sort of a reflex with me and it to the point where it's like maybe uh, too much of a reflex. So I just sort of took that idea of someone who just is apologizing all the time needlessly and we sort of just created this character who gets into this predicament and um, that's what the song is I'm sorry I said sorry right when you were in my way I know I should have thought of something more polite to say I wanted to alert you that you ought to move your arm I didn't want to injure it to pull the fire alarm I know it's no excuse but it's the only one I had My bad I'm sorry I said sorry when you trampled on my toe The fire escape was crowded, there was nowhere else to go Your cleats had pierced my Birkenstocks, I didn't want to shout I wasn't even thinking when I'm sorry just came out I think I thought that you might somehow think that I was mad My bad, my bad, my bad 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 I'm sorry 
I said sorry when we both were trying to speak I'm sorry if you thought that it was meant as a critique We both saw someone up there as the roof began to burn I told the first responder but I didn't wait my turn I'm sure there were important details you had meant to add track on the album is If I Knew, and that was the first track that really spoke to me and made me say, oh, this is going to be an album to remember, and it sounded the most radio-friendly of all the tracks. You know, it's musically inspired by the Everly Brothers, so that's kind of why there's that sort of dual dual vocal, um, although I'm just harmonizing with myself, with my own uh, my own imaginary twin but um and then you know the lyrics are very just sort of sarcastic but kind of where we are i think don't know much about biology i've forgotten all my history couldn't pass a whiskey bar exam that's the kind of person that I am What made the universe I wouldn't know I wasn't there a thousand years ago There ain't that much that I know much about It all goes in one ear and right back out Truly better world if I knew Sure I learn a 
about the birds and bees. I know what makes my Hyundai go is keys. I get the dirt is down and stars are up. 64 ounces in my supercar. I know statistics for my favorite team. you turning into a college kid for a second and let's talk about Avery Couch. What kind of research do you have to do to get into that mindset? Um, yeah, what, what do you want to know? What do you want to know, Bob? I want to know everything. <laughs> oh, good. I know it's inevitably going to not really... I, can't, I know I'm not going to be able to nail every little thing. But I, I really tried to, I tried to get a certain, I was trying to do a certain voice, trying to get like the accent of this kind of, kind of guy. It sort of reminds me of, it's sort of based on people that I knew when I was going to college and right after college, which of course was a while ago, um, which was in the eighties. So this song, I wrote it with Bill Berry. I'd had this idea kicking around for a long time about um, like a surf song about couch surfing. So it just kind of, you know, we just, so I, I just had this idea and I, um, and we just got together one night and he, um, you know, we just sort of came up with the music pretty quickly. When I recorded it, I did a little studio work and, and uh, recorded it a little slower so that when my, when we play it back, it's my voice is a little higher to try to, cause I was really trying to get this, this character, voice 
Right, and I think that that kind of helped with that. My cousin kicked me out cause I wasn't paying rent And my student loan defaulted and my vouchers all got spent Started crashing with my buddies, wound up sleeping on the floor I got bored of smoking all their weed and playing PS4 Then a couple weeks with Matthew, but that dude's a total slob He kept running out of groceries, he kept saying get a job My life was going nowhere, man I thought my luck was through but then my dreams came true Right when I surfed onto Ava's couch I'm so pumped up this is rad Though she doesn't know how much I want her I'm crushing on her bad I'm sitting pretty on Ava's couch And I'm just fighting my sweet time to cook up How will hook up be mad? How about that? I'm no slouch on Ava's couch since San Diego State She'd come crying on my shoulder about the guy she used to date She says that I can crash here till my internship comes in So either way I win My slickest move has been Ava's couch Now if only I could score But I wonder if she wants to do me or wants to ruin me more But still I'm here I'm on Ava's couch I hope she's picking up the signs I'm showing But she's going Could you move your hacky sack pouch On Ava's couch On Ava's couch I want her to be my girlfriend Taking her to Olive Garden Handing her a rose But she wants me to be her girlfriend Watching Gilmore Girls and eating honey song that I found really hilarious and I just loved it was audience participation. How did you come up with a song like that? That's got a lot of moving parts and a lot of stuff going on there. Yeah, well, audience participation is the the thing, you know, the, the thing we all dread. or I mean, most of us dread. I'm sure there's some people who love doing that, but whenever you're at a show, <clears throat> that's like the, the least, my least favorite part is if they if they come around and they want you to do something or volunteer to go up on stage, worst of all. Um, it actually kind of was inspired by uh, one time, many, many years ago, in the 90s, I was in, uh, my wife and I were in uh, London, and uh, we found ourselves at a, 
at a comedian in an on an afternoon performance at like a little outdoor festival. Um, it so it was in this tent, and in those days I used to wear really wild colors, like I'd wear um, like Hawaiian, like bright Hawaiian shorts and bright Hawaiian shirts, and um, a lot of orange and orange sneakers, and um, and it was sort of a it was almost like tourist garb, but it, on LSD, you know, like really a little bit too much. And I, you know, I did it to sort of call, call attention to myself because I was kind of a goof. And, um, but we go in to see this comedian and we, there's no place to sit. So we come sit on the front, at the very front uh, row. And he's, and he's, he's just starting in and he, he um, you know how comedians sometimes call you out. And he, I was sort of an obvious person to call out. And the first thing he asks me, so, so what's your name? And I know that in, in the UK, in England, the name Brian is kind of like a goofy, dorky name. It's like, it's like a name you would say, it's sort of like the name that always, that people, that you name the stupid guy in a show because it's like, I don't know, it's probably an anti-Irish, uh, racist, you know, English bigotry. But whatever the case, Brian is like a stupid, is, is the stupid guy. And says, "All right, what's your name?" And I, I know, I, I immediately know that when, if I, as soon as I say my name, I'm going to get a, there's going to be a big laugh at my expense, and there was nothing I could do about it. And I, and I, indeed, I said my name, and the whole crowd just laughed. Anyhow, so this is about being put on the spot, um, you know, in an audience. Um, and then what what happens in the song is sort of like um, it's a it's a bit of a a, a rumba and um you know with an acoustic guitar and um accordion and what happens is uh, eventually it, we break the fourth wall and all of a sudden i'm uh talking to a guy in the, in my audience and putting him on the spot um so that's that's the scenario for that song oh god help us He's asking how you all feeling tonight. The crowd's responding by shouting, woo. But I'm sensing that something's not right. Cause now he's claiming that he can't hear us. But how could that even be true? He's quite insistent we all participate. Must I oblige and make the noise he wants me to? Audience participation, audience participation. I'm minding my own business here, but he won't let me be. Why must the show include me, 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 me? Why must the show include me? Oh no, he's moving, he's off the stage now. He's making his way down the aisle. Oh please, dear Jesus, go somewhere else. If he looks over here, I won't smile. But now he's looming right above me. I can feel his hot breath, he's so near. As he is shouting into the microphone to announce that he has found his volunteer. Audience participation, audience participation. I made myself invisible, but somehow he could see. Why did he have to pick me? Me, 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 why did he have to pick me? And 
now he pulls me up on stage and asks my name. I answer nicely, trying to act cool, but soon I realize what he wants is them to laugh at my responses. My only purpose is to play the fool. And though he plainly doesn't need my help at all, still he puts me to some task that he's prepared. And then he says I'm not complying, and the audience is dying, ha ha ha, with a relief that they have narrowly been spared. Audience participation, audience participation. I bought myself a ticket, yes, but I did not agree to be humiliated by some second-rate MC. Why did he have to pick me? Oh, hi there. Hey. Yeah, you. Hi. What's your name? Paul. And where are you from, Paul? Uh, Los Angeles. Oh, that's an interesting place to be from, I suppose. <laughs> Listen, when you get singled out in a crowd, put on the spot, does that make you feel uncomfortable at all? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> and does your denial of feeling uncomfortable perhaps stem from some unresolved issues from childhood? Mm, maybe. Perhaps it's a deep sense of inferiority. You think you're not worthy? Uh, I didn't say that. Well, maybe it's a feeling of smug superiority. You think you're better than everyone else, don't you, Paul? No, no. Now, Paul, if you can't be any more forthcoming, then you've wasted everyone's time, and I'll have to call on someone else. You wouldn't want me to have to do that now, would you? Sure. Actually, I am going to call on someone else. I'm going to call on all of you to help me sing this song. I'll sing the first line, and then you repeat after me. Ready? Audience participation. You try. Audience participation. Hey, well, that was not bad, considering. Now I'll teach you the second line. I'll sing it, and you'll repeat after me. Ready? Audience participation. Audience participation. Good. Let's put it all together and go on. Except for you won't go on because you don't know the rest of the lyrics. Here goes. One, two, three, four. Audience participation. Audience participation. And now we've suffered long enough. It's time that we're set free. And if you all concur, then you can join in with my plea. Why do they always pick me, 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 me? Why do they always pick me? Everybody. Why do they always pick me, 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 me? Why do they always pick me? Take it, Paul. Odd choice. I was actually going to say, me, but that'll do. Paul, ladies and gentlemen. So the next song that we're going to talk about here is Don't Call Back. And that has a really cool, interesting premise. Tell me a bit about that. I had the idea, and I, I, I wanted to write a song about how people don't respond to, you know, texts and, and emails and so, or calls. Um, and I was just trying to, f- trying to find a title for it for a long time. And I was like, never call back, never call, and don't call back or, um, and so I, yeah, so I came up with don't call back and then I just came up with some music for it. Um, and then, you know, sort of, wrote a bunch of lyrics to fit it it's got a lot of lyrics it's, it goes fast and it's got a lot of a lot of talking so each verse is kind of in a has a different feel to it you know this the first one's kind of driving and then the second one's kind of a country and then the third one's kind of like funky and um 
And um, what else? Uh, you know, I, um, I, I, I seasoned with um, the guy is like a, kind of a wine aficionado. So he's always talking about wine and going into wine tastings and going to a winery. And eventually he at the end, he falls down a well at a winery. So, um, and uh, he gets his comeuppance, and uh, that one, I uh, that one, I, I um, the drummer on that song is a guy named Andy Sinisi, and he really played. He played this. the The field was really great, and I I really I'm really happy with how that the music came out. The drummer is great on that song, and the total track is so well produced. Let's stop talking about it and let's listen to it. Here's Don't Call Back. The DJ Bob Show. Pop culture, past and present. Some band wants to play my wine bar. They've been calling me for months. They're politely sending emails. Left their CD more than once. After checking the first second of it, who boy does it suck? No way my booking that night at my classy place. Good luck. But how am I telling them so? Is there some way of letting them know?
be honest with you, one of my favorite songs off this new record is The She View In. I just love the music, jazzy style of it. I need to know how that came to be, because that's just genius. Yeah, it was, um, that's a song I wrote with my friend Paul F. Perry. Um, Paul is a, um, uh, uh, singer and excellent songwriter. He, he he had an a cappella group called the Blanks that used to be on that TV show uh, Scrubs, and they were sort of a re- had a recurring recurring role, and um, <clears throat> so he um, so I had this idea for a long time, and actually um, the C View Inn is 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 sort of built on all these um, crazy rhymes, sort of like. Um, really far-fetched rhymes and play and plays on words so uh and i had a basically it was a list of rhymes you know like two pages of rhymes that i wanted to make into a song and i said paul help me make this into a song so we kind of uh, figured out what the the scenario was and sort of simplified the scenario from what I originally had. And then he, he and I wrote the music together and, um, and we put it all together and, uh, he plays the nylon guitar on it and he sings one of the background harmonies on it. So. Though your wife has been allaying your suspicions, folks are saying, that she's busy running round with any boy toy who is handy that's her modus operandi as yet no evidence is found for she's furtive and clandestine she won't have her handsome guest in she goes elsewhere to cavort somewhere scenic somewhere sultry somewhere perfect for adultery off to an inn of last resort Yes, your darling who was once green is now smoothly rubbing sunscreen onto some stranger's back. In the smell of oxybenzone, he is not long for the friend zone. Very soon they'll hit the sack. She met this one at the foot spa, and she had a lot of foot spa to invite him for a spin. If you knew it, it would grieve you that they're off now to deceive you in the sea view in Great for quick assignations, those impromptu vacations, a beachfront for sin at the sea view in where their passions are burning and the ice machines churning her. Escapades end and begin at the sea view in at the sea view in on 
a business trip to Natchez In your pool bag you find matches From an unfamiliar place Well, she tried to spare you this sting But so frequent was her drifting One rendezvous has left a trace He's not her be-all nor her end-all He is just a hunky Ken doll A diversion for a day Then you learn he's one of ten gents You want justice, you want vengeance You want to make the harlot pay When she married you she struggled Now she's making you a cuckold Still you've got to cool your wrath And you'll kiss your lucky horse You pray to God she won't divorce you At least once you do the math For if she does she's gonna clean up Cause she never signed that prenup There's no way that you can win Whether she decides to leave you She is off now to deceive you in Deceive you in With its blue ocean vistas Nothing stings more than this does To find that she's been at the Deceive you in While you're stuck at home the best for last. Tell me about this hilarious song. I almost died laughing hearing this. The idea of the song is is this guy is, is talking about everybody else's foibles and little tics, but he's very confident that he doesn't have any. And of course, you never, you never are really aware. It's hard to be aware of your own, the, the, your own habits and your own foibles. Most people have one or two And some people have quite a few Such idiosyncrasies But I do not have one of these This one will repeat the word achoo Anytime she feels a sneeze coming on That one always leaves the door ajar and talks to you when he is using the john. The other one on catching her reflection will purse her lips and arch her brow and flare her nostrils like a horse. But that doesn't make them jerks. They've just got their little quirks. And everybody has them well, that is, except for me, of course. For I am a man with no foible. I'm a completely enjoyable guy With no need for allowance, excuse, or alibi Oh, I am a man with no foible Not a foible have I One tells me that I eat like a pig I wolf my food so fast I'll probably choke One says I rephrase the funny comments that she makes like I came up with a joke. The 
brother says I'm arrogant and snooty As when I demonstrate the music that he likes is only noise But despite these glaring flaws I forgive them their faux pas I overlook their failings for Not everyone can have my boys As I am a man with no foible I'm made of a man who unalloyable Try and you'll find no shortcomings or frailties to descry Oh I am a man with no foible Not a foible Well, yes, I tie my shoes when I get nervous, but just because I want to. Yes, I clutch my testes on the subway for something to hold on to. Sure, I hide my boogers in the sofa, but everybody does that. I own up to the foul deeds I do. Oh, God, that smell, who was that? Sure, I use a steak knife when I pick my teeth, but only after eating. I only spoil movies that I've seen, because otherwise it would be cheating. I give my friends the blow-by-blow of all my dreams, because mine are entertaining. I like to piss on other people's legs, but I would never claim it's raining. Despite what anybody thinks, I have no tics or faults or kinks. And as for those who claim I do, I say they ought to go see shrinks. Yes, I am a man with no foible. I guess unless you're annoyable. Bugs you for no good reason why Oh, I am a man with no foible Not a foible Have Thanks to Brian Woodbury for coming on the show to talk about all this great new music. If you'd like to hear more of Brian's music, past and present, head to brianwoodbury.com. The DJ Bob Show. Pop culture, past and present. <laughs>